The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, before we started our episode this week at the Paracast with me and Tim featuring Brian Young, we thought we'd talk about Albert Bender and the Men in Black. And so in connection with that, I brought up the lyrics for the Men in Black song from the movie. And I came upon this one. This is the chorus. Here come the men in black. I'm not going to do the harmonies. The Galaxy Defenders. Here come the men in black. They won't let you remember. Because they use neuralizers, folks. But you see, Superman had it over them. When Superman kissed Lois Lane towards the end of Superman 2, Lois Lane forgot everything. That's a power. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I want to know how he did that, because that wasn't canon to the comic books. Yeah, and the thing about it also is, originally, this is where we get things to happen. The other scene that we talked about, the time travel scene at the end of the first movie, this is where Lois Lane is killed in this earthquake was created by Lex Luthor, and Superman goes to spin around the Earth faster and faster and faster until he goes back in time but they never explain how that's done but originally the scene where he saves Lois Lane by going back in time was supposed to be part of Superman 2 it was a pretty messy schedule first they had Richard Donner do the first film then he did the second film and then they got into creative difficulties so they hired Richard Lester now Richard Lester was listed as director of Superman 2 And his previous film that we all know about is Hard Day's Night, the Beatles film. So you take somebody who did a Beatles musical film and make him direct a Superman film. Explain that to me, somebody. I can explain it. If you can direct the super band, you can direct the Superman. Ooh, I like that. Well, I'm glad (laughs) of that because if you didn't have that, we'd be in serious trouble right now. (laughs) <laughs> well, Lester also directed a uh, a great film called The Bed-Sitting Room. Very, very British, uh, like end-of-the-world dystopian uh, uh, comedy. Very good. One thing to say about this, a good director is a good director. So, for example, Robert Weiss directed Day the Earth Stood Still, a classic film that fed some of the legends about flying saucer contactees. He did Star Trek The Motion Picture. But he also did The Sound of Music, a musical, a sci-fi drama, another sci-fi drama. And West Side Story, which he won the Oscar for. That's right. 
and the body snatchers with with Karloff and Lugosi, the last film they were in together. Ah, yes, Karloff and Lugosi. I remember that. I remember a line from it where one of them, and I think it was Boris Karloff, says, you'll never get rid of me, never get rid of me, never, never. Or, you'll never get rid of me. No, I don't want to do that. Because I'm, I sound like I'm channeling Bobby Pickett, not Boris Karloff. I don't know why we're doing this. Oh, Men in Black. We'll go back to the Men in Black. And I have a thousand things to say because alone amongst this crowd, and three's a crowd, I am the only one who actually physically met Albert K. Bender. But... Let's bring up your observations. Brian Young, what's your take? Tim, Gene, thank you so much for having me back on. It's always a pleasure to come on. And uh, it's so funny because uh, on my little podcast, Tim was a guest recently where we were talking about Albert Bender. Uh, I've been going down an Albert rabbit hole lately. My impression of Albert Bender is he is beyond a fascinating figure because I, I find the stuff he did with the Max Steiner Society just as fascinating as his UFO, UFO stuff. But as I'm sure most of your listeners are aware, for the ones who aren't, Albert K. Bender is responsible for the pop culture phenomenon we know of today as the Men in Black. Whether or not it's a true story, I don't know. That's a to for debate, but it's a fascinating one. Um, you know, he claims to have been visited by these mysterious people telling him to stop investigating UFOs. And you know what he did? He stopped investigating UFOs. So maybe there's something to it. What, 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 what's your take, Gene? You've met him. All right. Maybe a decade later, Albert Bender wrote a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. It was published by the person who made Bender famous. That was Gray Barker. Gray Barker made him famous in his book, probably the only serious book he ever wrote, called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. So a decade later, Albert Bender has this book published by Barker, heavily edited by Barker. He has a very distinctive writing style. Okay, He said that the three men in black were not government agents or private individuals. They were aliens from the planet (laughs) Kayak. And I'm lost on how this became immersed in what he brought up in his magazine and when he communicated to people saying that these people told him not to talk about what he knew about the flying saucers. And he ended up being a contactee. That was strange. Did you ever see that book, Brian? I, I have. Um, and it, it, that, that's the thing. It's so strange that if people want to say Bender had this legitimate experience and he described the men in black, it doesn't fit with what most people assume men in black are today. Either a shadowy government agency, maybe hybrids, maybe aliens, but always this stereotype but yet Bender, there was nothing left to the imagination. He said, well, him or Barker said what they were. So there should be no debate about what they are if we're going to believe him. That's kind of where I have the problem with it. Well, the last issue 
of his magazine before this all happened said in so many words that he had kind of come to the truth or secret of the flying saucers. And that's when the men in black came out of the blue, you know, out of the blue men in black, whatever, and told him, don't talk about it. But the thing is here, that would have meant that these men in black, whatever they were, aliens, government agents, were familiar with his magazine enough to know what he was talking about. Just saying, I know something, why would you then go to tell the person to shut up? Because that would just draw attention, don't you think? I I would think. I also want to know where they learned to read English. (laughs) (laughs) Just that's, you know... From some of the reports you hear about how awkward they are and how they don't seem to uh, understand anything, um, they're 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 very awkward in their mannerisms and the and their their speech patterns. Yet they knew enough to read this and locate. They found his address and they went to him. They're, yeah, there's a lot there. It's a great story. I love the story, and I think Bender's an incredibly fascinating guy. But now. Now, it's interesting here, after he wrote that book, and I saw him lecture on it, and I talked to Bender. It was really interesting here at the time that the lecture was sponsored by my old friend Jim Mosley. He had these monthly lectures in New York City. Bender comes, he lectures, he seems like a pleasant gentleman, well presented. But Jim's ex-wife, Sandy, suggested that Bender must have serious psychological problems. So they were analyzing his personality, having just met him, having heard him lecture about his encounters with the three men in black from the planet Kayak. Now, more observations I'll make about that, but let's get to our next segment. Brian Young is joining us, a friendly skeptic. My co-host is Tim. I'm Gene. It means... It means you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is 
is the best complete nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, so I don't know how I could analyze somebody, even an experienced psychologist or psychiatrist, having heard one fairly logical presentation of a lecture, maybe the facts of the matter. But all this was so far out of left field from what we've heard about the man black before or since. Not that they might be aliens, but in a sense, Bender's experience was a singular event. He then moved with his wife to the West Coast where he got involved in this Max Steiner organization. So what do you think, Brian? I... I like you. I, I can't. I don't want to play armchair uh, psychiatrist, but I will because you know I'm here, and that's what we're we're here to do. Now, again, folks out there, I am not making any diagnosis. This is just my opinion on everything I've read about, read by, and seen about Albert Bender. To me, Albert Bender seems like someone who today would. 
be not labeled, but maybe said to be on the spectrum. Albert Bender seemed like a guy who would have these obsessions, and whenever he developed an obsession on something, it became all-encompassing. For instance, you hear about his house, how he loved monster movies, and all of a sudden his whole house was painted with pictures of monsters from the movies, and his his room was set up to look like a, like a monster movie set. And then he got into the UFOs, and he obsessively put out these UFO journals, and books and the, the, you know, everything, his whole life was about that. And then he develops an interest in Max Steiner and everything else goes out the window and he just solely focuses on that to an extreme. That seems like the kind of personality this guy had. What you might say is some level of autism, which I think most people have. I mean, I think most people in the world are somewhere on the spectrum. But you could see the um, obsessive parts of his personality like when he got something in his head and that's all that seemed to matter at that point all of a sudden maybe they told him to give up the whole ufo thing but he he never never talked about monsters or movies again he just went into max steiner movies so that that's the analysis i would give uh, of my opinion of how bender was having never met the man having never you know been in the same room with him now that being said that doesn't mean I think he's necessarily making things up. I'm not saying he's not credible because he's on the spectrum. I'm just saying that I, I, I see him as someone who has an obsessive attention span. Well, he might be a dilettante, and maybe in <laughs> the original Men in Black episode, he wanted an excuse to get out of the flying saucer business, so he came up with this Men in Black thing. On the other hand, if you look at Barker's book, other people had encountered similar individuals, so it wasn't unique to Bender. Had it been unique to Bender, then you'd think, well, maybe he made it up. Maybe he did anyway. As far as the book a decade or so later, maybe people were clamoring for the truth, driving him nuts, and he said, okay, I've had enough of this. How about I just write this story and be done with it? Just suggesting. It could be that. It uh you know, claiming that, you know, these three people showed up at my place and said, you know, get off the trail or bad things will happen. It makes for a good excuse to why you vanished. So that's a possibility. Another possibility that, you know, we're kind of tiptoeing around is maybe Gray Barker had a lot more to do with this story than Albert Bender did. Well, Gray Barker, of course, was known to invent things. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to say that, but you did, so it's okay. Well, part of it is, I guess he became disinterested in just hearing the same old sightings every day. So he had to try to give it a little bit of sauce, a little bit of spice. And that may be part of it. That's why he and Jim Mosley, when they became friendly, would perpetrate hoaxes every so often. And Jim would tell me, well, I've got to keep up interest when interest in saucers wanes. Got to keep up the interest so... We throw out this little hoax, and then he was very serious. In fact, the very large majority of Mosley's writings were perfectly serious. He was a decent reporter. He was very careful about his information. But every so often, his other personality stepped in and did this other crazy stuff with Barker. Which I'm fine with. As as someone with a sense of humor and a little sense of mischief about me, that's the kind of thing I would do. However, 
I also think it's very harmful to the field. If you want a field to be taken seriously, whether it's cryptids, whether it's UFOs, whether it's anything, and you want to be a credible person who wants this to be taken seriously, you pull off one of these hoaxes to keep interest, it's going to grab every skeptic in the world like myself and say, you're just destroying your own argument. And it's going to make taking anything else seriously. That That's one of the things that you hear all the time in, in, in the cryptid world. People will go out and hoaxing things to make people start thinking it's credible to gain more interest. But then everyone sees it's a hoax and they're just like, yeah, okay. Same thing with the crop circle people. You know, you find a couple of the hoaxed ones and everyone writes off everything else. That's what he did. The puka side of me <laughs> enjoys it. But if I wanted to be taken seriously as a, as a researcher, I don't think I would uh, be very happy with him. Well, if you read Bender's book, I mean, it reads like bad science fiction. Very typical of the uh, pulp science fiction that was circulating in the 1950s. That the aliens had a secret base in Antarctica, and that they were here to mine some kind of special mineral. But then after they were done, they were supposed to leave, and that would be it for the uh, UFO mystery. Well, that didn't happen. I'm glad you brought up the pulp magazines. The original cover of the book itself looks just like the cover of one of the pulp magazines. I'm glad that in 2024, people are finally recognizing that art is something important because they were fantastic works of art. But it's almost like they market it as a pulp book. That's another thing. It's like, what audience are you going for here? Are you wanting to be taken seriously or are you trying to get the quote-unquote comic book readers? <laughs> well, the other thing is that... Um I don't know if there had been any previous experiences with Men in Black outside of Bender from, you know, his experience happened in, what, 1953, I think, something like that. I haven't found any similar accounts before Bender, with the exception of uh, some, like, individual uh, cases, especially having to do with, like, uh, the uh, some of the alchemists and uh, people along those lines, uh, even further back in time, being visited by people dressed in, like, black cloaks and hats and things, and that there to, rather than to stop them, were there to uh, uh, pass along, you know, mystical information and education. So, you know, Bender, I think, really was the first to come up with some kind of whatever you'd want to call it, paranormal, extraterrestrial silence group. And then it just, you know, it's like a wildfire. It just took off from there. More with Tim, Gene, and Brian, you're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, 
are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com USA News Update. New this hour, the United Nations fires 12 staffers for their alleged involvement in the October 7th terrorist attack in Israel. 1,200 Jewish people slaughtered at a music festival and area kibbutzes. Hamas still holding 130 Israelis and Americans hostage. In other news, former President Donald Trump ordered to pay E. Jean Carroll a whopping total of $83 million in damages for defaming her. The jury deliberated for three hours and came to a unanimous verdict. Taking a look now at USA Business Stories, the LA Times announcing a large wave of layoffs. The paper says it plans to cut roughly a quarter of its staff or about 115 people from the newsroom. These job cuts expected as the owners of California's largest daily paper say it's losing between 30 and $40 million a year. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I need more time to file my taxes. Help. On IRS.gov, you can use IRS Free File to get six more months. Or you can submit IRS Form 4868 by the April deadline. If you owe taxes, you can make an electronic payment and get a filing extension with no need to submit Form 4868. Go to irs.gov for details. But remember, an extension of time to file is not an extension of time to pay what you owe. Anyone can fall victim to moving fraud. Know your rights and responsibilities. There was never really a valid contract. Movers must always give written estimates. I was bound to an estimate, but it was after the fact. Be sure that any document is complete before signing it, and that it includes information to determine the final charges. It was a version that I had not seen before. Visit protectyourmove.gov to download a free moving fraud prevention guide. Search for registered movers and view their complaint histories. Move with confidence. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. 
Tim, in the last segment of the show, you were talking about these various issues, the men in black before Bender, right? The the research that I've done over the years, I've I've yet to find any credible accounts of the men in black involved with the UFO phenomena uh, before uh, Bender's uh, case. Now, there there were cases even even further back where you had like uh, some of the uh, the early alchemists who were studying to. Uh, trying to discover the Philosopher's Stone, being visited by uh, strange individuals dressed, you know, like in black cloaks and black hats. But rather than being there to silence the alchemists, they were there to pass on, like, mystical knowledge to them. But when it comes to the UFO field, I mean, Bender seems to have been first with this type of silence group. But then... It took off. I mean, it was it was like a wildfire, or you know, now we would call it a meme, uh, similar to say like uh, uh, Slenderman or the Black Eyed Kids. But it obviously had a big influence because here we are, all these years later, still talking about it. Absolutely, um, part of that's marketing, part of mm-hmm. its name recognition. It's it's such a great name that rolls off the tongue, Men in Black. It just gives you an instant image. You know what it is without knowing what it is. That helped to sell it. As far as those older cases, you know, the research I've done in looking at it and trying to find these incidents of Men in Black in history, you're right. It's always with the um, the esoteric study, mm-hmm. the, the the alchemists, the secret teachings of all ages and they get visited by these mysterious people in black cloaks usually with a black carriage with some kind of crest on it that they can't recognize and that's what we know we don't know what is actually said they claim in some of their writings they came and taught me this wisdom but we don't know because there's no other witnesses to that other than them to me you know, you're talking about a time when the clergy kind of ran things with an iron fist. It kind of sounds like that's who's showing up saying, uh, you know, stop this kooky stuff. <laughs> you're, you're heretics. I don't know. I wasn't there. But that sounds more likely to me that that's what it was. And then they have to save face, not saying, oh, the church showed up and called me a heretic. And so they're like, no, 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 those guys that showed up at my house, they were friends trying to help me. Whatever. As far as the phenomenon taking off after Bender. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's totally there for the imagination and there for the taking. How could you not latch onto a story that good, that freaky, that scary, that it could happen to me too. It's just <laughs> wonderful. It's everything a good science fiction or horror story should have. And it's right there in it. If it's not true, it was created with great, great perfection for, for, for a genre. There had also been accusations that uh, uh, some of these men in black silencers uh, were actually uh, competing uh, UFO groups that were trying to get information and prevent the other groups from getting the same information. So they would swoop in after, you know, an incident, talk to the witnesses, I mean, dressed in suits and looking and acting mysterious. 
and then telling them don't don't talk about this to anybody else. Not that they, you know, were some kind of supernatural or extraterrestrial entities. They were just competitors and they didn't want anybody else. And we've seen this time and time again within the UFO community getting and hoarding information. You know, they don't want anybody else to uh, to have what they have. It also leads to the imagination of, you know, when people in your head, if you think, what does an FBI agent look like? It's mm-hmm. a guy in a black suit, the black hat, who's going to come and tell you you didn't see what you saw. So for people who are paranoid to begin with about the government and we're being watched and observed by the government, it leads perfectly into that conspiracy theory because that's obviously who it is. If you're down the conspiracy rabbit hole of believing that there's uh, this race of beings from another planet that don't want you messing in their business, it makes perfect sense that they would send it down. So men in black, it's so generic, but yet so descriptive that whatever kind of conspiracy rabbit hole you want to go down, you can fit it in there. You can pigeonhole it into anything. It's brilliant. I wish I thought of it. (laughs) Well, even before... Bender's experience with the uh, uh, three band who who appeared in a cloud of mist in his room, he was getting paranoid and thinking or, or actually seeing that he was being followed, being trailed. Uh, I, there was one incident I read, I guess, where he had gone to the movies and then ended up calling his uh, stepfather and saying that... Uh, um, he was he was coming home right away because he was being followed by somebody. So, you know, considering in the early days, uh, and you know, his group was I think the the first really major uh, UFO group in the United States. It wouldn't surprise me that there wasn't um, that the FBI wasn't interested in him uh, because don't forget around the same time you had the beginnings of the Cold War and uh, uh, everybody was uh, looking under their bed for uh, for communists. And you, you pointed out that he was the first of these you know UFO groups, but you neglected to mention that it became international. Yes. So he was dealing with overseas other countries which would also kind of freak you know might freak out an fbi that's terrified of the red scare what are you writing are they are this, is this code you're sending out secret messages to other countries you know who knows so it's conceivable or like the movie theater incident it was you know the 1950s Single men might think they were looking for other single men in theaters, and that's mm. who was constantly moving closer to sit next to him or follow him. Because, you know, I hate to say it, but that was a common way for men to meet other men then without, you know, publicly being open about it. Right. Who knows? Right. Well, I can I can see, though, J. Edgar Hoover, you know, sitting around in his boudoir at, uh, at night and his... Uh, 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 frilly nightgowns, reading over Bender stuff, and just just panicking over. Uh, like you said, is this code? Are are there you know uh, Soviet agents involved? So yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I I think that that aspect of it all is very plausible. Absolutely, you know. I mean, to this day, there are people that are convinced. Uh, people involved in groups like this are just you know, spies sending messages. And, 
you know, over the internet, they're they're signaling to other people about the government, and it's like, you know, no, it's people who you know like UFO stories. <laughs> Although, who knows? There could be some of that stuff. We don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, just not likely. Yeah, well, don't uh, don't forget that the. Um um, gosh, what was it? The Air Force uh, Office of in, in, in Special Intelligence used UFO uh, groups in order to try to draw in um, foreign agents that were here in the United States uh, to go to these, you know, like Air Force bases, uh, thinking that they were going to find secret uh, uh, air technology being tested and it was all just a honey trap using ufos isn't that funny that you can use a ufos as a honey trap mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean you know who knows what they're doing i mean the you know these ufos they're tricky never know what they're up to <laughs> we're going to be very tricky if we don't get these announcements taken care of we got Brian, we've got Gene, we've got Tim. It all means you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. 
These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Speaking of government involvement, obviously the FBI kept files on certain people in the UFO field. I believe they suspected, for example, George Adamski to have communist leanings. Of course, in the 50s, everybody was a communist unless you can prove otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, sadly. Uh, the government, you, you got to remember, it wasn't just UFO people, like you said. Everybody w- was a communist. If McCarthy just, you know, had a weird itch that day, you were a communist. Hmm. You know, J. Edgar Hoover kept records on Charlie Chaplin for being a communist and, and, you know, it's paranoia is the destroyer as Ray Davies once said, you know, I mean, but Bender kind of fed into that paranoia or was it Barker that fed into that paranoia, knowing that their audience probably was already paranoid to begin with about things and now i'm going to twist that a little bit i'm going to twist that knife a little bit now there's these shadowy figures that are coming to get you like i said it's great well the stock and trade of course in the ufo field among some researchers is that the government is keeping it a secret there's a silence group within the u.s government said major donald kehoe so Once you envision right or wrong that there's a silence group, you have to think, well, therefore, there are silencers. And it's only one step from silencers to become a strange group of people who dress weirdly, drive black Cadillacs, and wear black suits. Not that it isn't true, but it feeds that. It absolutely feeds it, and it fed it to the point where 
after Bender's incident, you started hearing about people in England being visited by men in black and people in Australia being visited by men in black. And they all fit the same description no matter what country it's in. So is it one world government doing this that's covering up the UFOs? Or is it aliens because they can get everywhere in the world and do this? Is it the same men in black that showed up at Bender's house that showed up in Australia to talk to people? It's just it's an endless loop because it's one of those great mysteries that we'll never know. It's constantly exciting. It's constantly changing yet staying the same. And it's 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 fascinating. How can you not be at least interested in it from maybe a comedic standpoint? You're finding it funny to read these stories, but you're still reading them. You're paranoid, but you're still reading them. You're genuinely interested, but you're still reading them. But again, it just goes to... It almost is too good to be true. It, it's one of those things. It's it's almost too perfect a scenario to make it a phenomenon. Does that make sense? <laughs> but to me, you know, it's it's interesting. Also, in a like a, and I hate to use this word because uh, uh, people interpret it wrong. In a uh, a folklore type of tradition i mean it 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 really does have all of the bullet points of a good folklore and uh, uh but that doesn't mean that it's all made up you know you know, you know uh, real folklores generally are always based on some kind of truth uh, which which helps them get spread around uh however then you have other aspects that get glommed on to those stories that uh, gives it an even uh, wider appeal and then keeps it going for decades. And the outfit alone is perfect for this because it's the one style of suit that hasn't changed in all this time. Hmm. That cut and style of suit is as fashionable today as it was in 1950, as it was in 1970. For some reason, a standard plain black suit with a white shirt and a black tie doesn't change. Everything else changes. It's not like the men in black were showing up in the 70s with frilly shirts and big collars. You know, nothing changed. It's just that typical standard suit, which is funny when I love reading the stories when people say their clothes seem outdated. It's like, how is a black suit outdated? <laughs> it's a black suit. You know, it's funny that you should say that, though, because I read an account this just this week, and uh, this took place, uh, uh, He's uh, the, the, the person who wrote this, in the, I think it was, uh, he said, the late 70s. And uh, wasn't a UFO witness or anything like that. Just you know, him and his cousin were outside of a convenience store and uh, saw this uh, the traditional men in black type of a uh, uh, big uh, sedan type of car. And he said that when the driver got out, he was dressed like what you would think of the traditional men in black. You know, black suit, black tie, dark sunglasses. But then when the passengers got out, one of the passengers was wearing what we would now call like maybe cargo shorts, except that they were black and the shirt was black. And then the next person got out and they were dressed like in a tennis outfit, but again, all in black. So here you had all these different 
uh, uh, styles of, of clothes, but still all in black. I have black cargo shorts, and I, I don't <laughs> have black tennis shorts now. Uh, in the 70s, though? That in was, the that 70s? Was, yeah, that was the thing that, you know, later on, this guy, you know, uh, he got to be thinking about it years later. And he's like, you know, I think that's the first time I'd ever seen cargo shorts, but I'd never seen cargo shorts that were black and during that time period. And apparently cargo shorts are not something that stays in style universally because <laughs> I, I have a 16-year-old niece who yells at me when Uncle Brian is wearing cargo <laughs> shorts because that's so 10 years ago, Uncle Brian. So, you know, take that. I thought they were, I think they're cool. But um, I got to give a shout out to my, to uh, my friend Terry Sullivan. For, for anybody out there who are wrestling fans, Terry Sullivan was the voice in the face of Detroit big time wrestling in the 70s. And whenever I talk to him, I still make fun of him. Like, hey, Terry, you still got your perm and your frilly shirts and your giant bow ties? And his answer is always, it was the 70s, man. <laughs> so that you know you don't hear those descriptions you don't the men in black came and when he took his hat off he had a disco perm and a giant bow tie oh all the visits are just the standard black suit i do remember an account though and and again this is i'm just pulling this out out of out of my memory, and uh, uh, I have no idea now where I remember reading it from, where somebody was uh, 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 approached after they had had a, uh, a UFO experience by uh, somebody dressed very oddly, came to their door, and uh, they said that they were dressed like a, a hippie, that they had, like, even though... Um, uh, they had like I guess red hair. It was in a very big frizzy afro with uh, round sunglasses and then a very brightly bright colored uh, shirts and pants. But the person played the same role. You know, uh, uh, came to the door uh, under the pretense of say like selling encyclopedias or uh, offering to uh, uh, take uh, pictures of the house or something like that. But then it. Then ended up not wanting to talk about any of that stuff, but instead wanted to talk about their UFO sightings. Uh, and then leaving by saying, you know, something along the lines of, you know, uh, most people uh, uh, find out that they live a better life if they don't talk about their UFO experiences. Just, you know, like thinly veiled type of threats. <laughs> I, uh, I'm hoping... Someone didn't mistake that for me, because throughout the 80s, 90s, and most of the 2000s, I had a giant orange afro, and uh, but longer, and wore little round glasses. So, But I never wore brightly colored clothes. And I never went door-to-door -door selling anything or asking about UFOs. Nope, so I guess it wasn't me. I just had cool hair. <laughs> but, you know, that just, that just goes to show you, though, even though the three men in black is the tradition, really, after a certain point of time, you don't see that as often. Instead, it becomes uh, individuals or maybe pairs and not always men. You know, sometimes uh, uh, there were uh, women involved. And it also went beyond the UFO phenomenon. There were people who were researching the Kennedy assassination 
that were visited by strange individuals that told them to knock it off. Exactly. See what I said? Whatever rabbit hole you want to go down of a conspiracy theory, the men in black fit. Well, then we have to look at the reality of such things, which is something we could begin to explore in our next segment. But for the time being, Brian Young joins us. He's also a kind of a boxing guy, or wrestling guy, obviously, too. We have Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Welcome back to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the question of the ages here, if there is the intent of the U.S. government and other governments to keep UFO information a secret and maybe to deal with people who speak out of turn, is there a men in black kind of group? They don't have to be men, they don't have to wear black. But are there people going around who talk to witnesses and say, don't talk about it? Are they real or are they individuals who just want to play a prank on somebody? Could be both. Um, I I tend to think, and and, and as you said at the beginning, I'm I'm a skeptic. I'm a well-meaning skeptic. I think there are absolutely government agents that will go around and speak to people, for instance, with the Kennedy assassination. If there are people that 
are overstepping their bounds as far as investigations and accusations go. There's going to be some interaction. People coming and saying, uh, you know, you might want to back off. That's not your business. That's not your job. Sure, I believe that. But I believe, how do I say this? It would be much easier if there was a government program trying to cover these things up to discredit people and make them look like fools than to try to threaten them into shutting up. And there's accusations of that, too. It's almost like if you play the men in black card and go there and say, you know, talking about this is not the safest thing to do. Not only does it tend to lend credibility to such a program existing, it fuels the fire. And I don't think the government would be that stupid. I think they would much better be served discrediting people, making them look foolish, making them look like kooks, which we see happen all the time. How many people are looked at as just absolute kooks for the things they say and believe, especially when it comes to topics like this? That would be the smarter move, I would think. It could also be disinformation, you know. Send this out. People will be thought of as being crazy and paranoid, and therefore anything they say will be suspect. And people inside the field destroy their own credibility, like you said earlier, by pulling off pranks and hoaxes. So, you know, who knows what's going on? It's one of the great mysteries. We'll never know. You know why? Because we're not as powerful. as If it is a government agency, they got a lot more money and power behind them than we do, so... It just always makes me think, though, that if you have an agency that is doing this, you know, an actual human physical agency that's doing this, then to me, it would lend credibility to whatever it is that they're telling people to shut up about. If there's nothing to it, then you don't say anything. So, I mean, I think I think that the best policy is to do nothing and just let, you know, really just let people waller around in the, in, in the mud uh, uh, and and don't acknowledge anything. But that doesn't seem to happen. There does seem to be some kind of, you know, something going on to, I hate to use the word, you know, uh, once again, you know, the, the, the silencers, but there is, and why are they doing that? Because that just confirms what's going on has a reality to it. My other problem as a skeptic is if there were these silencers, men in black that were silencers, eventually one of them would retire and spill the beans. Whether or not he'd get killed the next day or not, who knows, but no one would keep that big a secret for that long without someone saying anything. And if they've been around since at least the 50s, it's not the same original crew doing it. There have been people who've had that job and retired and moved on and could have said something by now because there's always someone. Everybody who worked on any nuclear program, no matter how confidential it was, someone spilled the beans on it when they retired, when they were close to death. That's never happened with this. I have read some accounts of people claiming to have been part of, you know, a silence group, but... Yeah, I mean, there's no, they offer no real proof. You no, know, it's like, it's like the UFO whistleblowers, you know, I mean, there's no real proof. Yeah, no credibility to what no. they're saying. No. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, and it's the same thing with these stories that, um, and and you know, I've I've written some of them myself about the um, the mysterious deaths of certain UFO investigators. And I just, to me, once again, I just always thought that if there was a known UFO information that the government has, they're not going to be going around killing (laughs) civilian investigators because, once again, that just proves that there's something to, to the phenomenon. And it's best just to, you know, like you, like you know, like you said, Brian. It's just best just to make them look like, you know, uh, uh, nuts uh, rather than uh, doing serious physical damage to them. Yeah, I mean, it's you would be feeding, fueling your own fire if you were that group. If you started mm-hmm. going after the people like that, right? Um, you would be giving credibility to it, and that's the last thing they would want. So. Uh, now, that's if it's a government agency. Dun, dun, dun. What if it is aliens? <laughs> I love that sigh right there. That sounds very alien to me. Yeah. <laughs> but once again, though, all right. If there was or is an extraterrestrial group on this planet and they want to keep things quiet about them being here, why are they flying around in ships with bright lights on them, beaming bright lights onto the ground, uh, uh, traveling back and forth uh, uh, in the most obvious way possible, and then... Seriously, when somebody sees them, then they go through all the trouble to go and try and shut them up. Because they don't know how things work on Earth. Come on, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I always mention that you do, when you see the examples of men in black in pop culture, I'm not, I'm not talking to Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, which I'm not going to bash. I actually love those movies and the comic books they're based on. They were wonderful. Um, but my favorite representation of men in black ever in a movie was from John Sayles phenomenally underrated movie uh, brother from another planet and the two men in black that are trying to find this alien that's in New York and Sayles himself plays one of them they play it so perfect as to what you would think the men in black that Bender wrote about if, if folks if you haven't seen this movie look it up probably available to stream somewhere for free brother from another planet the representations of the men in black in that film are phenomenal oh yeah and when that movie came out the uh the whole bit of black phenomena was still very fringe and really known only to a few people <laughs> within the ufo community so Sales obviously had done his homework or was already interested in it uh, when he was writing the screenplay. Because I think, didn't he write the screenplay as well for that movie? He, he did, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and, and, you know, this is a great filmmaker. Um, he, I'm not saying he lent a credibility to it because it's obviously a piece of fiction. But, uh, Gene, have you ever seen that movie? 
probably thousands of years ago. Yes, I did see it. I was of mixed minds about it, as I recall. Yeah, I thought I it was mean, very well done, but I don't know whether I thought being amongst the best sci-fi films. No, and it, it, the film itself isn't for everybody. The pacing of it is not for everybody. It's very slow and deliberate, which I love about it. It's a, it's a kind of film that I like. But for people who are interested in the Men in Black topic, whether or not they like the movie as a whole, I think they'll get a kick out of the portrayal of the Men in Black in that movie. We're going to talk more about MIB <laughs> with Gene, Tim, Brian, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, 
are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. All right, let me take you back through time. 1969, I lease a red, fire red Pontiac Tempest. I put everything on it. Just check this box, check this box. You know how car dealers do it. They take, at that point, a car that maybe cost $3,000 today. It would be like 33000 And then they make it a $4,000 car because of all the junk they stick on it. Nowadays, you have kind of fixed packages. But then, anyway, the car looked beautiful. We said, okay, let's put the license plate 3MIB on it. Let's challenge the gods, as we said. Let me tell you, folks, this was the worst car I ever owned. I owned a couple of expensive cars back in the 80s when I had real money, and they weren't so well built. This was the worst. Within 1,000 miles, the transmission drained fluid and had to be rebuilt. 1,000 miles. It was a rattle trap. I was always back at the dealer for this, that, and the other thing. And we legally terminated the lease because they could never get the car to work properly. 3MIB. What can I say? You're messing with the, the MIB gods there. I'm, you know, it's like, that's like messing with the baseball gods. You don't do that. I might be an atheist, except when it comes to the baseball gods. You don't mess with them. Apparently, you don't mess with the MIB gods. The thing that's interesting, though, is where it took the writers who invented it. So both Gray Barker and John Keel wrote books and articles about men in black. Barker being the first. Then later on, of course, we had John Keel. Made a big deal with it, okay? Now, the legend was turned into a graphic comic book. What, the 1980s, I believe, right, Brian? Yep. Okay. Yep, correct. The movie producers bought the rights to those comic books and turned it into a multi-billion dollar franchise consisting of four films. And the fourth film, one of the agents is the guy who plays Thor, Chris Hemsworth. So Mm -hmm. Thor becomes an MIB, all right? And he has a great 
feel for acting in comedy. You know, it's not just a muscle-bound guy. Anyway, billions of dollars. Everybody's enriched. But not Trey Barker, who basically was almost the creator of the legend. Not John Keel, who made the legend persist in some very serious books. I will not doubt that John Keel was reporting things accurately. They did not benefit from it at all. Keel benefited in a big way from one book he wrote, he sold to Hollywood, Mothman Prophecies. That one he made some money on. The others, I don't know so much. Barker always had financial difficulties. But we have these two people helping to originate a multi-billion dollar movie franchise and they got practically nothing. Then again, if you want to look at that way, the way Hollywood does its accounting, look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind and the fact that Dr. J. Allen Hynek makes this cameo in it. Now, when they were making the film, they never contacted Hynek. He heard about it and contacted them. Okay? He contacted them about this. So, at that point, they gave him $2,000 for the books he wrote about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where he sets up that particular theory. $2,000. They gave him $500 a day for three days working on set as an advisor, and they gave him that cameo. Dr. Hynek made $3,500 back in the late 70s from a film that grossed hundreds of millions of dollars. On the other hand, supposedly, according to the book, The Close Encounters Man, about Hynek, Steven Spielberg, the director of the film, did donate to the Center for UFO Studies. The amount is never mentioned. There you go. Hollywood accounting. Well, I'm glad you brought that up uh, for both cases. Um, Hynek was robbed. The whole concept of Close Encounters of the First, Second, Third, Fourth Kind were his that was his theory it was his wording it was his he should have benefited from even using that title should have enriched him now men in black that's a different story first off it was never copyrighted the term men in black they never licensed it or or said we own that term because men in black is is a term that was around before we thought of them as these shadow people. They would talk about the man in the black suit, the man in the black hat. So it's kind of tough to say that Barker or, or Keel should have received more for it. I think they should have received more recognition. I think what their publishers or maybe if they had agents should have done was tried to piggyback off the success of that and like bring them back back to the forefront and said, this is what these people are based on. That didn't happen. Um, it's also, you pointed out, based on a comic book for billion-dollar franchise before the quote-unquote comic book movie boom. Everyone forgets Men in Black kind of started that revolution again. So, Heineck robbed, without question. Parker, Keel, especially Keel, as much as I love John Keel, I, I hate to say I kind of I don't blame Hollywood so much for that one. I, well, I do Bar- love the fact that in the beginning of the Mothman prophecies, the book, Keel recounts the story of the man in black 
going door to door in that town and scaring the poop out of people. I remember this as radio. I censored. Um, and then the, that, that introduction ends with him admitting, yeah, that was me in the black suit that was scaring people. So don't always fall for your, your paranoid imagination. It was just me in a black suit talking to people. Well, we have another story here. You might remember it because your friend, the late Tim Beckley, was involved, Tim. And that was around the apartment house in which the late John J. Robinson lived. There is a photograph there published of this stranger hanging around the place that was maybe humorously dubbed the man in black. Do you remember that? Oh, of course I remember that. <laughs> it was it was uh, Jim Mosley and, uh, and and Beckley who uh, got the picture. Uh, they were on their way to visit uh, Robinson, who had been complaining that uh, his apartment there in Jersey City uh, was uh, being surveilled by not only men in black but uh, doppelgangers of people like Keel and Gray Barker. Now, I want to get into this because it sounds interesting. John J. Robinson, or Jack Robinson, was a serious guy. He actually worked at a bank during the day. At night, he pursued the paranormal. He's not famous in the UFO field, but a certain circle of people knows him. He was part of Jim Mosley's crew. Therefore, he could perpetrate a prank or accept one. We'll get more into John J. Robinson in a moment with Brian, Gene, Tim, you're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from wallofire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Wallofire.com. update. A big payday for writer E. Jean Carroll, a jury in Manhattan believing her claims filed against Donald Trump, and now he's been ordered to pay. John Schaefer with details. Former President Donald Trump must pay her more than $83 million. Last year, the jury found Trump accountable for allegations of sexually abusing Carroll in a department store dressing room during the 1990s. That was followed by defamatory statements against her. Now, in response to the jury's verdict, former President Trump taking to 
to Truth Social and writing absolutely ridiculous explanation point. I fully disagree with both verdicts and will be appealing this whole Biden-directed witch hunt. Our legal system is out of control and being used as a political weapon. They have taken away all First Amendment rights. And then in capital letters, he writes, this is not America, explanation point. Laura Winters, USA News. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. At the other point, though, I knew Jack Robinson. I talked to him a million times, it seems, you know, endlessly. Sometimes he got PO'd me because I could be a bit of a prankster as a kid. But in the end of the day, I never knew him to lie about anything. If he said something was true, he felt it was true. He was relaying it to me. When he was playing a bit of a prank, he admitted that too. So when he said these things happened, especially this men in black issue, he seemed pretty serious about it. Did you know Jack at all, Tim? No, no. Uh, I mean, I've read his work and familiar with him from the early days of his writings for uh, Saucer News and, you know, the stories that Tim Beckley would tell me. But, no, I never knew him personally. Too bad. He was quite a guy. Unfortunate. Maybe he wasn't alive when you first started working with Beckley. But this guy was, you know, rather on in years when I knew him. He was already in his 60s, I think, Mm -hmm. and not too far from retirement for the bank. But there you go. I don't know about that photo, but looking at it, I can't say he's a man in black. 
Remember, this is New Jersey. This is what? Jersey City. Jersey City, oh, yeah. Jersey City. People there sometimes were engaged in, shall we say, less than legal pursuits. So this might be someone who was looking out for somebody, looking for somebody. There's nothing in this photo, as far as I'm concerned, to indicate he cared a whit about Jack Robinson. No, I've, the, the picture you're referring to, I've seen so many times, and I've always looked at it and laughed and said, kind of looked like me back in the day ducking into a doorway for a smoke. <laughs> but that picture is so famous and so well-known to this day that, folks, if you go watch any of these documentaries that people on YouTube make or any lectures people give about men in black or anything, they will reference Tim Beckley and that photo. And it always makes me smile when I hear Tim Beckley's name because Tim was a very special guy and I miss him terribly. But, uh, I mean, that photo is still talked about and still well-known and people will point to that as evidence for an actual man in black. But to me, it kind of looks like a dude trying to, you know, have a smoke in the doorway. <laughs> Also, you see, if Jack said this guy visited me as part of a group of people, men in black, and said something unsavory to me, whatever, then you say, okay, here's confirmation that this guy is a guy who visited Jack Robinson or other people. But it's just somebody. They take a photograph of that somebody. They don't communicate with that somebody to say, who are you, sir? Just wanted to ask if you're looking for somebody, you know, some kind of informal conversation. Nothing. It's just a picture. Well, Beckley always told me that uh, him and Mosley were going to visit Robinson. They were circling the block outside of his apartment trying to find a place to park. And, uh, and then right on the other side of his apartment was this guy standing in the doorway, looking almost like he was looking at the the uh, uh, the apartment so they swung around again and Mosley was driving and so Beckley took the picture and uh, their intention was is that after they got the picture they were going to try to stop and you know maybe approach this guy but by the time they came back around again he was gone now Tim always said that he has no idea. He he said that he suspects that maybe the building that this guy was uh, the doorway that he was standing in front of may have been, you know, like a a, a front for something because the guy you know looks kind of you know like the mafioso or something. And that's what you know Tim always said. He says he was a man in black, but he you know he he could have been, you know, uh, just watching the doorway as there was, uh, you know, a game going on inside or something. <laughs> but don't you love the image in your head of the story of them jumping in the car and racing around and Tim dives in the back seat and grabs the camera and snatches the picture of it. It's like something out of a stereotypical 1930s movie where the newspaper cameraman's trying to catch the picture of someone. And I always get this mental image of, of Tim Beckley running and jumping into the window of the car back seat and taking a picture. And it makes me laugh. I, I don't know. It's just me. But you know well, there was... pretty well. Can you picture that? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, but both him and and Mosley. <laughs> uh, well, there was—I don't know if there were 
if it was a second picture or if it was part of the, of the one. But there's also, you know, the stereotypical uh, black uh, uh, Cadillac or, or uh, limousine right along uh, uh, right alongside that same building. So I mean that just uh, that just that just adds to it all. Right, but then the kind of people who are unsavory in that part of New Jersey drive black Cadillacs. Exactly. Exactly. Giuseppe the Pelican is watching the door. That's all it is. (laughs) You know, I don't want to get into Soprano stuff here. But (laughs) this is where you take a legend and spread it. You know, I think going back to the original Bender episode, I'm not denying there are people who go around telling people not to talk about UFOs. I'm not denying that they may have government affiliation, although I suspect some could be pranksters. I'll go with that. Bender is a singular episode that the various details of which, especially the outcome and the contact, the connection, are unique to Albert K. Bender, as far as I know. The rest's everywhere. But let me ask Brian Young, what do you think? You're the skeptical guy here, although I can't say I would disagree with you on this. Do you think there are people that we consider men in black for whatever reason running around telling people shut up about the UFO sightings? Uh, possibly. Um, but but I think it doesn't necessarily have to be an organization or anything. I think people's families tell them to shut up about UFOs. You know, if people start thinking, you know, this guy's getting a little too weird, you better stop talking about this stuff. That happens all the time, too. And then I've actually read reports where they said, you know, these agencies infiltrated the heads of my family that told me to stop talking about it like they were threatening me. So I know they've been brainwashed by these people. So, well, no, it's just people saying you're acting like a, like a nutter butter. Don't do this. As far as an agency, it's possible. Um, I, I don't see why. Like we, we, the three of us have broken down. It would be much easier and more effective to do it in other ways. Um, so, I, you know, I like to think there is just because it's such a fun thing. And as you said, the Bender thing is a one-off. It's unique. It's where the legend comes from, but it's not in one respect because most people forget the fact that he said they were aliens from this planet. They all run with this mysterious shadowy people in black suits that show up. I bet you 99% of the people out there wouldn't know that he actually said what planet they were from. It's like they, they, they conveniently leave that part off because it makes the myth better without it. It makes it more mysterious without it and unexplainable. And if you can't explain it, you can't deny it. It's kind of what gives it its power. A self-fulfilling prophecy. Correct. Well, then again, it gets back to the same thing. The logic of it doesn't make sense. So if the government wants people not to talk about something, how would you do it in a way that doesn't sound ridiculous? Or why would you do it? I mean, lots of people make crazy claims about flying saucers or UFOs or UAPs. Some of those claims may be related to the facts about the mystery. But if you draw attention to yourself by going to somebody's house or place of work or where somewhere in the park somewhere 
and say, don't talk about it. All you're doing is dragging attention to that episode. You're not hiding anything because as soon as it's reported, well, everybody's looking at it. Brian, Gene, Tim, more to look at. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I said more to look at, maybe more to listen to, because we do radio here. We don't want to frighten people with my face. You know, I guess Brian and Tim can get away with something, but we don't want to frighten people, so we do radio, the theater of the mind, and therefore you don't need a smartphone, a tablet, or a computer to see what's going on. You just listen to it. Again, the theater of the mind. You use your own imagination. But don't you see the logic here, Brian? Why should there be a man in black as a genuine situation because all it does is has the potential of revealing what you want to hide or are you doing disinformation or are you doing investigation you know a lot of people are visited by men in black after they see something that could just be an investigation what did what did you see you know and if you start saying i saw the you might not want to tell people that which is an honest thing to say. You know, people will think you're crazy. I have no problem with that. I'm sure there are a lot of experimental aircraft that are seen when they shouldn't be, and people start yapping about it. They're going to send someone from the Air Force to say, so what exactly did you see? Where, when, what time? How did you see this? And then you might want to not talk about that. I buy that wholeheartedly. But here's why I don't necessarily buy the Bender Barker version of Men in Black, even though I love it. Tim, you've been in this field forever. Tons of books, tons of investigations, worked with Beckley for all those years, been a public figure, a face and a voice for this phenomenon. How many times have they visited you and told you to shut up? (laughs) Brian, they told me not to say. (laughs) But but that's that's my problem with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, never, never. Of course, now that I say that, yeah, no, now I've cursed myself. <laughs> no, but that was always, um, what's his, the guy's name in Nevada? And I, I can't believe I'm going to not know his name now. Um, does all the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. Oh, um, the, the you mean journalist. The, uh, the journalist. Oh, um. <laughs> wow, I can't believe my, the name's totally escaping me. But anyway. Yeah, the, from Las Vegas. Yeah, um, he always says himself, he's never been visited. Right. 
You know, so, I mean, and he's about as high profile as you get in the field. He's never been visited. Yeah, so. George Knapp. George Knapp. George That's, Knapp. There you go. That's what you think of. Yeah, if they come knocking tomorrow, Tim, I did not send them. It's not a prank. It's not a hoax. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's but that's just that's just it though. Um, people who have reported visitations usually aren't, and I'm not saying that uh, um, <laughs> uh, that myself or Gina or anybody else is really you know that. Uh, um, um, well-known or outstanding within the community, but usually the people who are visited um, really happen to have had just, say, like one little experience, you know, even just seeing like weird lights in the sky, and that was it. And then they end up having the most bizarre, you know, after effects. Uh, but, but, yeah, very rarely... Uh, is is somebody who is fairly well known, you know, like a J. Allen Hynek or, or or someone like that, visited, you know, by 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 somebody telling him to shut up. It, it's usually just, you know, some some poor schlub who has no real knowledge of uh, 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 the years behind the phenomena. That uh, ends up being the, uh, the 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 brunt of their grief, so to speak. Or you'll see the stories about the guy. All I did was try to break into Area Fifty One, and the next day, <laughs> these guys showed up at my house asking me questions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, if they're lucky. <laughs> you know, if yeah. they're tr- if they're trying to break into Area Fifty One, that's a good way to get a rifle shot to the head. You know, I, I, I live I live in the in the western New York area. I'm not too far from Niagara Falls Air Force Base. I'm pretty sure if I was to go walking around there in the middle of the night, I'd probably get a visit too. I mean, mm-hmm. you, there's some things you just can't do. And you know, like I said, I've seen a couple weird things in the sky. Uh, nothing that ever made me believe that I'd seen a UFO. And you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I live near an Air Force Base. Of course, I'm going to see things. And I think a lot of people don't take things like that into account, that, you know, a lot of things they're seeing are perfectly natural and normal. So, well, not perfectly, because nothing's perfect, is it? <laughs> well, but still, then again, I mean, you know, you have you have these people who, like I said, have, you know, have no experience or, or even knowledge of the phenomena. And yet, will have these these visitations, and are and are generally surprised to find out that they're not the only ones. So, I mean, you know, to me, that is one of the more bizarre aspects of it. I mean, through this show, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, like. Uh, uh, a group, you know, maybe a government agency that's uh, doing this, or an extraterrestrial agency. But you know, I'm I'm kind of like a keel. There does seem to be a lot of these cases that are very high strangeness, and and as well as being high strangeness, there's also the high ridiculous factor to it. Very trickstery 
you know, if you want, if you want to get, you know, get into uh, uh, that aspect of it. Well, I almost like what you were talking about earlier that people who are interested in doing UFO research and research and UFO groups, maybe they're the ones doing this, you know, we want the information for ourselves. We want to, you know, who knows? And that would definitely seem to, to fit into the pranksterish and goofy aspect of it, because let's face it, people can be goofy when they're into mm. weird topics. Well, the other thing about it is that UFO groups mostly do not wish to cooperate with one another. They have their preferred cases. They don't want to give that to anybody else. This is their property. And that doesn't, of course, solve the UFO mystery. I ran into a situation more or less like that back in the 60s when I was just, you know, changing from teenager to adult around age 20 or so. And I had a small magazine, UFO Reporter, and I ran a story about Sicaro. This is 1965. And I summarized stuff from Fake Magazine, ran a couple of photos, one or two photos. And then I get a letter from Coral Lorenzen, the one of the directors of APRO. And she says, okay, because you did this, you owe me for printing this $100. It's my property, this story or the other material. You owe me $100. And I said, no, no way this is fair use. I have a right to summarize this. I didn't quote the entire article. I simply summarized it in a few graphs. And, okay, that ends it. That ends the episode. Ten years later, I don't know to the date, ten years later, 1975, I'm at a UFO conference in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I met a lot of people there, even people I had disagreements with, like Richard Hall. We had a scuffle, sort of, at the NICAP headquarters where he was the office manager. Ten years later, we shake hands, and that's it. I see Carl Lorenzen and Jim Lorenzen, and I say hello. I identify myself. And the first thing Carl Lorenzen says is, you're that guy who ran that magazine and published that material. It stuck in her mind for a decade. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) What makes you what? UFO researchers and elephants never forget. It makes you wonder, well, I, though, did she, who, who else she did that to? I'm sure well, you're not the see, only one. I kind of would go along with that because I can't think I was so unique that I would get attention like that. But I think so many people want to make her into an icon in the UFO field because they did a lot of good work. And their files recently went to, I think, David Marler as part of his historical library. Tons and tons of file cabinets with case histories and everything. You want to look at someone who did all this work, and you don't want to think about the personality eccentricities. Let's just put it that way. We've got Gene, Brian, Tim, you're in. (laughs) The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? 
If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part, has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This being a family radio show, I prefer not to use any other word about this. And I gather from listening to you that nobody else wants to <laughs> insert a word about it. <laughs> That was a fabulous topic, and I know that the reaction has been tremendous here. It's going to fill seven shows. <laughs> At least. But it goes to show how are you going to solve UFO situation, assuming it's not all conventional, I don't think it is, if organizations will not cooperate with one another. I mean, I ran into another situation like this as a, someone who ran a teenage flying saucer club back in the 60s and met somebody named Alan. And I won't mention his last name, Katz. And I don't care what he does now. This is a thousand years ago. Anyway, so we agreed to merge our organizations. Then one day, for no reason that I can discern, he says, no, it's off. I'm not going to do it. And then he puts an announcement in Flying Saucers magazine, the magazine published by Ray Palmer, in their Flying Saucer Club News, and says, we're independent now and we're going to go on because we believe in freedom. What? I mean, wacky people out there. It's, it's, it's not just UFOs. Don't feel bad. Any field of study you're doing that's somewhat off the mainstream, uh, that's not quote-unquote peer-reviewed and scientific, 
people are going to do nothing but infight. Um, as you know, I've spent 30 years researching the Whitechapel murders. And, you know, you, you put five ripperologists in a room, you're going to have fists flying within an, an hour. Um, no one wants to share information. They all want credit. They all want this and that. And it's backstabbing and infighting in every field. Um, in sports writing, it's the same thing. Um, the problem with something that's not peer-reviewed is too many people want to make it about them and not about the topic. So don't feel bad if other people in something you're studying or researching are mean to you about it. It's it's like that everywhere. Well, that does not surprise me. Or it surprises me not. No. No, it shouldn't. It's sad, but it's true. If we're all supposed to have the same goal, why can't we just work together? Well, because most people are into it. Either A, they think they're going to get rich doing it, which they're not. Or B, they think they're going to get famous doing it, which they're not. And they don't want to share credit or limelight. And yeah, you'll meet a handful of people people in any field that are genuinely good researchers and people you might want to work with, but they're few and far between, but they are out there. So don't lose hope people. Well, part of it is of course, that people think that they're going to become rich and famous by having a flying saucer club or a book, you know, or we get this when we do a show with somebody who wrote a book. Oh, that person's just appearing on the show because they want to get rich selling books. Well, after somebody spends year two, three, whatever, to research and write a book, how many of those people get even a fraction of what they deserve at any normal minimum wage for the work they did? You don't. <laughs> um, the, the only way to make money off a book is to already be famous or get very, very lucky. Um, I always laugh to people that, you know, I've been a researcher and a writer my entire life, and I've done everything from sports to uh, ripperology to history, and the most successful thing I've ever written by far was the wrestling book I did. And it's like, you know, all these, the serious historian and researcher, and yeah, it's the wrestling book that everybody cared about. <laughs> and that's, you know... Now I'm pigeonholed as, oh, you're, you're the wrestling guy. I'm like, yeah, but forget the 30 years of stuff I did before that. <laughs> so you, you never know. Well, certainly with John Keel, the only book that he did that was really, really something special in terms of outside the UFO field, The Mothman Prophecies, made into a sci-fi horror film. How many years was he writing before that book came out? And to be fair, the book was a phenomenon, but do you think he got rich off of that book until the movie rights were bought? I mean, it had sales to a niche audience. More successful than most books in, in that field. But but seriously, like you said, he probably didn't ever make up what he'd spent doing it on that book until he sold the movie rights. And it's a shame, too, because it really is a great book. I recommend the book to everybody. Even people that didn't like the movie, go read the book. It's phenomenal. Well, remember, too, the movie was very different. 
from the Very. book in the sense that it was a horror film, not something that was factual. It wasn't a documentary. And Richard Gere does not look like John Keel. No. They called him no. John Klein. <sighs> you know. You know, I didn't understand that um, because they had bought the rights. They could have used the name. So that that was always something I would I would have loved to have been in the meeting that decided that um, because you, you paid for the rights to the name, you could have used it. I, I don't know why they didn't. I kind of thought in general, which means nothing, that one reason it was done is they didn't want to connect it to any real person. They want, it's a fiction movie, therefore the name should be fiction. It shouldn't have the names of real people in it. And maybe that was a de- creative decision. Hollywood does things that we do not understand. You know, well, it, buy, it, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I would have said if that movie was made 30 or 40 years earlier, I would have said, oh, they probably changed the name to not make it as ethnic, even though the change they made in that made it more ethnic in a way. Um, so I, I had no idea why, why they would do that, but, uh, it, it worked either way. And you're right. It probably was just to avoid confusion with people living or dead. You could put that in the credits. Sounds like dragnet. <laughs> <laughs> Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Or what they do on law and order ripped. Rather ripped off, ripped, ripped, let's do it that way, from the headlines. In other words, ripped off from something where they take a real episode and then they play around with it and they change it. But the core episode, a lot of people will recognize, but then they change it enough so it's only partly recognizable. They can't get sued for it, but they can still leverage the publicity. All right, you're still talking about law and order now because if you start bashing Dragnet, there's going to be fists thrown, I think. <laughs> you, you do not, do not diss Dragnet, okay? We're not going there. Jack well, Webb the other thing is sacred. remember, yeah, Jack Webb was also someone who was interested in UFOs and had a large library too. So, you know, the guy is, in terms of UFO... People, one of us, I guess. And he was Jack friggin' Webb. I mean, it was just as cool as can be. And and one of the great jazz aficionado, uh, jazz aficionados in the world. Yeah, unfortunately, what he lived to what fifty something, and he died of a heart attack, which is so unfortunate. Because he could have had a lot of years of good production. And this Dragnet series, radio, TV, a reboot with the same character but with a different sidekick. Because I think the original sidekick, Ben Alexander, was dead. So we got Harry Morgan. But it was the same show, the same presentation. He wrote and directed many of the episodes. So he was a workaholic and maybe he just... Overworked himself. Too bad about it. Drag. He also, you know, it was a severe asthmatic who smoked four packs a day. Okay, we'll get into more of this with Gene, Brian, Tim. You're in the Paracast. (laughs) 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. You should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800 284 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Yes, there are always scenes there where they light cigarettes and they pass cigarettes. Can I have one? Yes, as you say, that may be one of the reasons why he had this premature ending. Yeah, I mean, I was a lifelong smoker, um, but I wasn't as severe asthmatic as he was. You know, his doctors told him from an early age, you probably shouldn't smoke with all your problems. And that was in, in the 40s when everybody was told to smoke. It was medicinal. You know, he was told back then not to. But uh, Jack didn't do anything halfway. And look at the other shows, Emergency, One Adam 12, you know, all the shows he created and produced. And people forget how groundbreaking the original radio show and then the first incarnation of the TV show. Those episodes are so dark they wouldn't be able to do them on TV today. Interesting fact about Dragnet. He wanted this to be accurate. Accurate representation of the Los Angeles Police Department at a time when there was lots of corruption with the real department. But anyway. He would alter the sound effects to the point where if he stepped from one room to another, like an interrogation room at a L.A. police precinct, the number of steps he takes is the exact number of steps you take in the real interrogation room. That's how much effort he put in to make it at least seem real. And it was. Those radio shows, I mean, I'm an old-time radio fan to begin with. I, I, I listen to it all, a ton of it all the time. And the old Dragnet shows are so great, um, with Ben Alexander on the radio, too. It was very realistic. They were actually cases taken from the files. I'm not so sure about the 60s episodes. You know, they really had a thing against them hippies smoking that, that marijuana you know, it was a little too obsessive in the 60s episodes, and they were a little campy, but still wonderful. But some of those early 50s episodes, very dark, frighteningly realistic and gritty detective stories on some of them. Uh, you got to give him credit. I don't think most people had the nerve to do that when he did. You can hear a lot of those shows now, by the way, on the Sirius XM satellite network on Radio Classics. And the host of the show, Greg Bell presents interesting background about the various players in the stories and what other things they did, what movies they did. More importantly, when I used to do my technology radio show, the Tech Night Out Live, we wanted to look at the technology of taking radio shows from the 1930s and 40s and making them listenable to current audiences. We had Greg Bell on the show. Really nice guy. It's called Radio Classics, and I think right now it's on Sirius XM channel 148 i think that's predominantly u.s and canada so wherever you're living folks look up radio classics and you'll see it if you don't get the broadcast you can also buy it can cost a lot of money but you can also buy some of your favorite shows and dragnet is amongst them yeah a lot of them you can actually buy fairly cheaply now uh through some sources a lot of those shows became public domain a lot of old radio shows 
and there are people that will put compilation CDs together or MP3s with, you know, a hundred episodes on a disc that you can get for relatively cheap. And uh, old time radio is such a such a great thing. And, and even we're here, we are talking about UFOs, Men in Black, and science fiction. Look at some of the great science fiction and science fiction writers of old time radio where you had radio scripts by guys like Arthur C. Clarke and Ray Bradbury and Arch Obler and all these great writers writing some of the best science fiction ever for radio. X minus one. No, you got to go X, X, X minus one, one, one. (laughs) X, X, X minus, minus, minus one. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you know, one show I was listening to the other day is Superman on radio. This came out ah. like a year or two after the comic was out. Now, the person who played Superman on radio for most of those years was a guy named Clayton Bud Collier. And what he did was something that Christopher Reeve borrowed. I'm sure he must have been familiar with this when he did Superman the movie, where you have Clark Kent with this kind of gentle tenor voice. And then he deepened his voice when he's ready to become his other self. This is a job for Superman. You know, that kind of thing. I can't do it as effectively as he did. He later became a quiz show host on TV. And you look at him and you say, this can't be a Superman. But it doesn't matter on the radio. No, I mean, and you know, he became pretty pretty successful uh, quiz show host. I mean, didn't he do like the original Beat the Clock? Yes, I remember actually seeing that where you go into the studio, you get tickets, go to the studio and see the show. At that time, they were doing it live in New York City. Beat the clock. Bud Collier. Hmm. Now, obviously, of course, when you hire an actor to play Superman in a TV show or movies, you have to have somebody who sort of physically looks the part. I think the best looking Superman was not George Reeves. From the 50s, it was Kirk Allen, who was a former dancer and actor. He looked very much like the Superman of the comic books. And he also did this variation in voices as Clark Kent and Superman. The two problems with it, the producer, Sam Katzman, was very cheap. And so they didn't have any good flying effects. They used cartoons. So when he takes off, he becomes animated. That was the one thing that kind of turned me off about it. As far as Kirk Allen is concerned, he did the two films, Superman, Adam Man versus Superman, where they introduced Lex Luthor, played by Lyle Talbot. And the same year, that actor played Commissioner Gordon in a Batman movie serial. So just think about that for a moment. The arch villain and Batman's best friend in law enforcement. Same actor. Anyway, after that, they wanted to make the TV show and start with like a TV or a short movie, which was Superman, the Mole Man. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to be typecast. And that's when George Reeves was hired. But Kirk Allen's career, he did one more series about a character called Black Hawk, an adventure character from the comics, and did do very much more. Except in Superman, the movie, there's a scene where the young Clark Kent is racing and trying to beat a train. In the train, there are three people, but 
in some of the cuts of the movie, you don't see them. There was a woman played by Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane, of course, in the movie Serial and on Adventures of Superman. There was Kirk Allen, and then somebody playing the young Lois Lane. But it, it, you really have to look twice to see it. And as I said, you may not see it because Superman the movie had some different cuts. But they always did that. You know, they always tried to recognize the earlier players. Even Jack Larson, who played Jimmy Olsen, played other characters in some of the Superman movies, like he played a bartender in Superman Returns. But in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, he played the old Jimmy Olsen when he takes this thing that makes him into an old man. I'm getting old just thinking about it. Brian, Gene, Tim, you're in. Superman, I mean, the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. News update. This Sunday, Texas not backing down after a standoff with the federal government over razor wire put up in the town of Eagle Pass to keep illegal aliens out. Republican Governor Greg Abbott refusing to remove the razor wire that is keeping people from coming into our country. Bipartisan bill would be good for America and help fix our broken immigration system and allow speedy access for those who deserve to be here. And Congress needs to get it done. President Biden campaigns in South Carolina ahead of the Democrat primary in that state, which is coming up on Saturday, February 3rd. He claims Bidenomics is working, but a Pew Research poll finds 72 percent of Americans worried about soaring food prices. Others worried about the cost of a home. Wife Jill campaigning in Columbia, South Carolina as well. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. 
Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. He could change the course of mighty rivers, Ben Steele, in his bare hands. Forget about it. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> like that. I, I'm going to go on to. I'm going to talk about Superman still too, because. As great as Superman as he was, and, and you're right, he had the barrel chest. He had that Superman look. T- to me, maybe it's my age, but Christopher Reeve was so great as Superman because he just, first off, he was big, but not imposingly big. I mean, he was six four and, you know, solid, but nothing freakish. And he just had such an all-American boy look to him that Superman should have had. And all it took was a pair of glasses to make him really look like Clark Kent in the comic books. It was also the attitude. He switched his persona to this nerd with this fairly high-pitched tenor voice. The other thing is here, before he did Superman, he worked out with David Prowse, who, of course, was a bodybuilder and played Darth Vader without the voice. They didn't use his voice. They used James Earl Jones. But he trained Christopher Reeve where he put on like 20 pounds of muscle. So he was a lot bigger and more imposing than he was in person. He was a thin, tall guy. Compare that, for example, to Henry Cavill, who plays him in the movies, and he really bulked up. He was not as tall as Christopher Reeve, maybe six foot, six foot one, but he really, really bulked up. And Tyler Hecklin, who plays him in the Arrowverse TV series, like Superman Lois for the CW, he also is very muscular, but he is not as tall. He doesn't look as tall and imposing. He's just around six feet, but he does have the muscular attitude, and he doesn't wear a padded uniform, nor did Henry Cavill, whereas George Reeves did wear a somewhat padded uniform. So now we got to talk about Dean Kane. Being from Buffalo, Dean Kane was drafted by the Buffalo Bills and would have been a Buffalo Bill if he didn't hurt his knee, so apparently Superman can't play football. I think he had a good build for Superman. He just, there was something too babyfacious about him. 
His voice was not imposing enough. I think his voice was too thin to be Superman. He should have taken voice lessons. Christopher Reeve had a natural voice for it. Henry Cavill did. George Reeves and Kirk Allen did. Tyler Hecklin. Also, Brandon Ralph, who played Superman Returns and played another version of Superman on the CW TV shows. They all had the voices. Dean Cain sounded better as Clark Kent because his voice suited him. As Superman, no. Didn't have the proper resonance. Sorry about that. I'm just surprised no one's asked me to be Superman yet. And guess what? If they do, it's going to be on radio. Exactly. I have the perfect face and body for Radio Superman. (laughs) That's right. We'll have to audition you later on. But you see, that's where things could be interesting. They're still doing, of course, cartoons of Superman where any voice actor who has the cred in terms of with the right presentation can do it. Doesn't matter what they look like. Just like they did in radio. I mean, who was the shadow? Orson Welles? Who? Of course, Orson Welles later on became very bulky. But you think of him as a shadow. The person who looked like the shadow, and they had movies in the 40s that were terrible, the one person I think pulled it off was Alec Baldwin in the movie version of The Shadow. I think he had the right look as Lamont Cranston and wearing the uniform as The Shadow. Unfortunately, now, of course, he's got this legal problem with the movie Rust where the bullets were real, not dummy bullets, not blanks, and somebody got killed. So that kind of killed off his career and might send him to jail. But in the 90s, when they did The Shadow, I thought it was really good over the top, unfortunately, because they wanted to make it into a series, I think. But someone who was familiar with the original character would have enjoyed it. And after you see the beginning where he goes to the Orient, becomes this arch criminal and learns the ways of criminals. And you think at the beginning of Batman Begins, where Bruce Wayne does the same thing. And you think, which influenced what? And they say Batman was influenced by the shadow, so they did it again when they made Batman Begins. Batman was absolutely influenced by the shadow. You know, it's funny because I haven't seen that Baldwin version of the shadow probably since it came out. And just going through the archives of my memory now going, yeah, actually, he was pretty good in that. And it's hard to think that, oh, my God, that was Alec Baldwin because he became so different later in life. Then like, but like you said, the, the voice is what mattered in radio. It was theater of the mind. There's a great story with the legendary actress, uh, Mercedes McCambridge, you know, an Oscar winner, a Tony winner, um, every award to, 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 to man she won. And she was the star of stage, screen, and radio. And she was asked later in life of all the genres she's worked in, you know, what was your favorite? And expecting her to say theater, because that's what everybody says in those interviews. And she says, oh, without question, it was radio. <laughs> because when you do radio, you, the listener, are the set designer, the director, the lighting editor, the sound editor. It's all in your mind. It's theater of the mind. And we're there to take over your mind. And then you paint the picture. And she's right. That was the magic of radio. And old-time radio, will st- it still holds up today. And they become very descriptive to give you an image of what's going on. Like, pick up that rock 
over there at your left. Okay, and yeah. you hear the sound of gravel, and it's a western, and you pick up the rock. They add a few words in the script to describe what's going on. This way, you don't just have a quick dialogue. Where are you? I hear a voice on the left. I wonder who it is. You know, something like that. They have to explain where you are and give a few words, just a few words. Sells it. But then you envision what these people look like. When it goes on TV, well, you know, it's like William Conrad played Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke. Okay? Mm-hmm. James Arness, six foot four guy, the brother of the star of Mission Impossible, okay? He played him on TV. William Conrad is a short, stout guy. And he wanted to be on TV after doing it on radio. So they went to the office to have an audition to show you, look, even though I'm stout, I'm an effective guy, I could do it. And he did TV shows. But he sat down in the chair to talk to a producer. And he tried to get up. He was so fat he couldn't get up. There you go. Uh, radio folks, old-time radio, there are scripts that were used for horror shows in old-time radio that were eventually used for film and television that worked a thousand times better on radio. I mean, if people can go out and find episodes like, you know, Thing on the Forble Board or uh, Sorry, Wrong Number, which is a script that's been done countless times in television and movies, but that radio episode will have you terrified as you're listening to it because, as Gene said, it's theater of the mind. By the way, as I was saying before, Jim Arness's brother is Peter Graves. Okay? All right? He also played that crazy role in the movie Airplane. <laughs> he also narrated one of the best um, documentaries in the 70s on cryptids. Uh, a great Bigfoot documentary that's it's so wonderful, hosted by Peter, narrated and hosted by Peter Graves, because Graves had that great voice and it was serious no matter what. And he's doing this really dated and wacky documentary. Now, just to give you a historical thing here. So we have Mr. Phelps is played by Peter Graves. When they make the movie with Tom Cruise as the star, they hire John Voight to be Mr. Phelps. <laughs> now, that's fine. He's a pretty good actor. Let me tell you the twist. We've got Tim. We've got Gene. We've got <laughs> Brian. This episode will self-destruct if you don't listen to these announcements. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. 
We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com, GCNfood.com. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or injured at work, you have rights, and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good, they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810-800-524-3810-800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. This is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, John Voight plays Mr. Phelps. Turns out 
he was a villain in the movie that set up the character of Ethan Hunt. And they're still making Mission Impossible movies, but the only thing about them is, and I think they're good, I think they're fun, is that the big thing about it is that Tom Cruise does a death-defying stunt in every movie, an impossible stunt, dropping off a plane, climbing up the side of a big skyscraper, whatever crazy thing that any normal person would say, hey, he could die from that. And maybe that's how Tom Cruise wants to go. Well, I have no idea. I know, let him do it. This, by the way, is our final segment of the main show with Brian Young, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. We will have Brian back, by the way, for After the Paracast podcast, where there is no censorship except for the things that, yeah, except for the things we could be sued for. Check the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Let's get back to the paranormal about the UFO field, about men in black, about disinformation. Now, we know that private people like Jim Mosley and Gray Barker played hoaxes, John J. Robinson. I think Tim Swartz, our friend Tim Beckley, played a few over the years. Uh, do you recall those? Oh, goodness. <laughs> now that you put me on the spot, I can't. <laughs> I can picture Tim being hoaxed many times by these people. <laughs> I don't yeah. ever think of him as gullible, though. I always no, thought he was a pretty, he, pretty stand-up guy. Yeah, he published some pretty wacky books. But as an individual, he had a serious interest in UFOs. He thought there was something to it. And I knew him mm-hmm. for, what, 40 years or 50 years or something. Never once did I catch him in a lie. No, and I don't think he was gullible either. But I think that's why people could have hoaxed him. Because they knew he would look into it and research it. Because he was serious and he wanted to find it. And people could hoax him for that just for, you know, giggles. That's always a possibility. I mean, because Tim wanted to hear these stories. And though, I mean, he would admit to me a lot of times that, you know, such and such person is probably just lying <laughs> lying through their teeth on something. But he was always willing to give somebody a chance to tell their story. He was a great guy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I was just—I was just thinking about him the other day, and uh, just uh, <laughs> miss his craziness because he had the type of personality, you know, that he would get on to a jag on something, and boy, I mean, he'd be hot and heavy on it for quite a while, and then something else would catch his interest, and then off he'd go in that direction. I miss his emails. he would send emails folks they were wonderful they would paragraph to paragraph would have nothing to do with each other and sometimes it would be photocopies of things from a magazine from 40 years ago like (laughs) a suit ad or something you know you never knew what you were going to get they were wonderful and it was just his sense of humor and his personality and he was just he was just a great guy infectiously fun and uh, i miss him i know um peter robbins who is going to be on our show in the uh, near future uh, told me a story about when he first kind of got into the whole ufo field you know when he was younger and uh he had gone to a conference and you know was uh, dressed up in a suit and tie and everything like that and beckley was there and he had never met beckley before 
And Robin shared a ride to uh, uh, go back to New York, and Beckley was in the vehicle. And Beckley was dressed as, you know, Beckley always dressed. I mean, he had like a loud shirt and probably, you know, gold chains around his neck and that sort of thing. And Robin's didn't traditionally think too much of him, but he said that on the ride home, Beckley was in the front seat and turned around and started talking to him, regaling him with stories, making jokes, and he said that by the time they got back to New York, he was a fan of Beckley and then his friend for the rest of Beckley's life. Well, I'll tell you one thing, another thing about Beckley, and that is, as a businessman, he was honest, never rich. So I did some work for him. I helped do production work on his books and magazines and some editing in the late 80s, early 90s, that sort of thing. And when I needed the money, he sent it. He always paid on time or ahead of time. He always paid the amount he agreed on. I mean, it's not something where he had lots and lots of money, but he was pretty straight. The unfortunate thing here is because he got involved in these limited fields, although he did meet a lot of famous people, never made a lot of money. No, no. But, you know, someone like Tim Beckley, I don't think it would have mattered if he did make a lot of money. I don't think anything would have changed about his personality, his lifestyle, the way he lived, the way he acted, the way he dressed. Money or no money, nothing would have changed with him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And he was the type of guy, too, that if he did have the money, he would find ways to share it with you. That's what he always did with me. He would get an idea for, you know, uh, some kind of work and ask me to do it, send me money, I'd do the work, he'd send me more money. Or uh, there was one time during the pandemic where just out of the blue, he ordered a bunch of stuff for a bunch of us from Amazon to be delivered to our house. And just, you know, like one day he emailed me and said, oh, you're going to be getting some stuff from Amazon. And he goes, I just felt like uh, sending everybody a little something. And it was, you know, like, uh, uh, gosh, what was it? It was like, you know, iced coffee and just other knickknack stuff you know, like that. Help get everybody through the pandemic, as he said. <laughs> how does that not make everybody out there in, in radio land, how does that not make you smile that that's just – Random things like that he would just send people. I mean, like it, they're almost like his emails. There's no rhyme or reason to a lot of them, but it always made you feel good. And this heart was in it. That oh, was yeah. one thing. He Definitely. always tried to do a decent job, and he always explored new things. Like a lot of people came out with books that seemed thoroughly wacky, <laughs> and probably they were, but he would publish them with the same seriousness as he published something from real serious people in the UFO field. And I know, I think a lot of that you've picked up, Tim, with some of the books you've come out recently, where you get a collection of people who are really smart, really know their stuff, and they write chapters for you. I'm not, of course, talking about myself because I've done two so <laughs> far and I'm working on a third, but all the people who really know what they're doing would get in there and you put that together, and I think in that way, not just putting out a book and hoping that three or four people will buy a copy. You're honoring Tim Beckley's memory, Tim. Oh, yes, absolutely. He also saves the forewords for the smartest people. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, speaking of smartest people, Brian Young, tell our listeners if they want to know more about what you do, where do they check you out? They can check me out on 
Transatlantic History Ramblings podcast. It's an international podcast hosted by myself in New York and the wonderful Lauren Davies out of Swansea, Wales in the UK. It's a weekly podcast. We discuss anything and everything we want to talk about in history, in the fields of the paranormal, you name it. We've talked about it from we've had Nobel Prize winning physicists, award winning actors, and this week's episode that just went out a couple days ago features the wonderful Tim Schwartz. So, yeah, Transatlantic History Ramblings, available pretty much every podcast platform. You can uh, check it out there. Hey, you can find us on Twitter, Threads, and Facebook if you look for The Paracast. You can check out Tim Schwartz's stuff at ConspiracyJournal.com or Amazon. He's always got loads of stuff. We also offer branded merchandise at theparacast.shop. Theparacast.shop. Four logos to choose from. Pick the stuff you like and get it really quickly delivered. We offer a premium subscription service called the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus for easy sign-up. We give you this show, free of the network ads, better audio, and the exclusive bonus after the Paracast podcast where you never know what's going to happen next. And Brian Young is going to happen on this week's episode. Lowest rates ever. Check it out. Theparacast.plus. Theparacast.plus. Brian Young, it's been a romp. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And I, I love talking to you guys. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>